So, um, welcome to church, church. Here's uh, a couple things I wanted to tell you before uh, we go any further. So today we would have had a couple announcements. We would have told you important things that were coming up, uh, stuff in the life of our church. One of those things is there is the father-daughter dance coming up. And so that's only a few weeks away. So you can go to bgcovenant.org slash dance and you can buy tickets. You can invite friends. Uh, that's easy. Uh, we're going to have Super Bowl parties uh, spread all around town for uh, men. We have a men's ministry thing coming up there. So here's what I want to tell you. Basically, um, we're going to put all that on Facebook throughout the week. So just come right back here uh, where you are at this moment and you will find all of those announcements throughout the week. We're going to make sure that those are out there and you get to hear every bit of it. And so... Um, that's that. So, this is weird. Let's be honest. It's a little weird. I'm standing in my living room, but I'm about to preach to you. So, if you have your Bible, you can open your Bible up. If you don't have a Bible, I got one. So, we're in good shape. And uh, what we're going to be doing is going into the book of Jude. This is our third week in the book of Jude. And uh, I would tell you to open to Jude chapter 1, but there's only one chapter in Jude. So, it's pretty easy. You just open to Jude. And uh, there you are. So, we're going to start in verse 17 today. And what we've been talking about is just sort of Jude's practical insight into uh, how to live the modern Christian life. And it's so great that Jude was, uh, he's not exactly modern, he's been dead for a couple thousand years, but um, he gives us such a great blueprint on how we navigate so many of the things that we do in our lives. And I think the thing he's going to ask today, and potentially the thing he's going to answer for us if we're paying attention, is how am I supposed to interact with a world that is opposed to Jesus while reaching a world with the love of Jesus? So that's the big question and hopefully that's the answer. So let's start reading in Jude chapter 17. The Bible says, but, the Jude writes, dear friends, remember what our apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are people who will divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith, and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful, verse 22 says, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So that's the thing. How am I supposed to interact with a world that is opposed to Jesus while reaching a world with the love of Jesus? How am I supposed to um, show mercy with fear? How am I supposed to uh, jump into the burning building to save a loved one and come out unstained? And so that's really the question that we're asking. Jude is not the only person to give us this warning. Uh, John warns us of this. First John 2.15 says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. James warns of this. We, we read James 1.27 a lot when we talk about foster and adopt and, and taking care of orphans and widows. He says, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. But listen to the rest of the verse, James 1.27, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. We don't often read that part. So, so pure religion is to love the orphan, take care of the widow, but also to remain unstained by the world. So what Jude is saying what John is saying, what James is saying is all the same. Go into the mess of the world, but don't be stained by the mess, which is a real challenge for a believer, which is a real tension that we're uh, challenged to live in. How do I live in the tension of get into the world, but don't become of the world? Run into the burning building, but don't come out smelling like smoke. How do I get into the mess of people's lives without becoming a mess myself? So there's a story I want to tell you that I think will illustrate this well. So uh, over a decade ago, 
uh, we went on a safari. Steph and I went on a safari and it was uh, amazing. My parents had, had planned to come visit us while we were living in South Africa as missionaries. And so they had set up this great vacation. At the last minute, they weren't able to come, but they said, look, it's already like booked and we can't get our money back, so you guys should just go. And so these two uh, emaciated poor missionaries got to go on this incredible vacation. We spent time in Cape Town, which I still believe is the, the most beautiful city uh, on earth. Then we went from there on like a four or five day safari that included uh, a couple days in Kruger National Park, which is world renowned for its, its wildlife, and then even to a private game reserve where we stayed in a tent that was uh, like 15 feet above the savanna. And so they built these like luxury tents out in there. And so you could hear, you hear lions roar uh, while you're sitting out on your deck having a tea at night. And so it was just this incredible uh, vacation. And so part of that vacation was we got to go on these game drives. They would take us on a couple game drives and we, we got to go and see all the animals in their actual habitats. And so uh, at this resort, the, the private reserve, let's see if I can get that some. So there's Steph in our, uh, in front of like the Land Rover that has stadium seating action there. And so they put us in this thing and you kind of get in your little stadium seating action and then you go through uh, the wilds. And so this was one of our game drives and we're out and uh, we were really excited. They have the big five, the big five, there's five main uh, animals that you wanna see and it's, oh gosh, I'm gonna forget now that we're here. But anyway, lion is, is the pinnacle of everything. Everybody wants to see a lion in the wild doing its thing. And so wouldn't you know it, we come across a lion. We come around a turn and there lying on the side of the road, uh, we see a lion. Can you see that? Oh yeah, see him? So Steph is like 15 feet from this lion. And uh, that is a mix on her face of utter delight and total fear. Because here's what you need to know. Uh, lions are so much bigger than you ever imagine. They're so much bigger than what you think when you see them on TV. Even when you see them in the zoo, the scale is off, the context is weird. When you see an actual lion in the wild, uh, it is this mind-blowing experience. Um, to give you a sense of the scope, the average adult male lion is between six feet and nine feet long. Six feet and nine feet long, okay? They weigh between 300 and 420 pounds, and they have, they have paws the size of, if you go get your biggest frying pan in your house, they have paws the size of a frying pan. And you think they're like a big dog, but it turns out they're enormous. If you took the biggest player on the BGSU basketball team, DiMaggio Wiggins is 6'11", okay? He's 6'11". If you took him, he came to Covenant one Sunday and he had to duck to get into the, into the doorway to get into church. He's so tall. If you took him, you'd have to add two more feet on top of him and a couple hundred pounds to him and then stretch him out. And that's how big a lion is at its full uh, breath. It's incredible. Totally incredible. Totally intimidating. So it sits there for a while and, and the lion just sort of sits there and stares at us. It's doing this thing. And it the, the game ranger tells us that he's just eaten. They can kind of tell he's panting. He's kind of just laying there. He looks full. He's drooling. There's like this horrific, angry lion spit coming from his mouth. And he's just panting. And they said, you know, but, but it doesn't mean he isn't dangerous. So just, let's just sit here and see what happens. And so we're watching this lion and, and Steph's sitting on the outside of the vehicle. So she's like got her leg up against the, the rail on the outside. And as you saw, it's totally open. And so, you know, your arm is sitting on the, on the little ledge there, and you're just feeling really exposed. And so sure enough, this thing stands up, this lion gets up, and it, it like makes eye contact. Like Scar from uh, Jungle Book. This is a, I'm taking these pictures, Steph is just dying 
And I'm taking pictures next to her like, this is incredible. And so this lion makes eye contact with us and just starts walking directly at me and Steph sitting on, on level two of the stadium seating of the Land Rover, okay? And it's, it's just sitting there and it, it's like, okay, here I come. And it's coming right for us. And Steph breezes, doesn't know what to do. She, she just stops breathing entirely as it just slowly with its giant frying pan paws makes its way towards us. Like a house cat, this enormous male lion then does that thing. You know when cats like on the corner of your couch, they brush their themselves, they just kind of scrape themselves on the corner of the couch as they walk by. This lion literally comes up to the vehicle and starts rubbing itself on the side of the vehicle to where um, it's basically, its mane is just brushing Steph as it walks by. And she's not breathing. I'm looking at her and she might just have passed out. I'm not totally sure. And he just keeps on walking. He walks right by. The only thing that saves Steph from being dessert is the game ranger, the safari guide. He had given us instructions before we ever got in. He said, look, you're going to be out um, among nature. We're going out into nature, but you're not going to become of nature unless you make one fatal mistake, which he says is this. When we're in the Land Rover, it, all of nature sees us as like an enormous hippopotamus, like the biggest animal on earth that happens to be smelly and it's got exhaust and it, it rumbles when it comes, but they know, they see us and they're not like thinking we're humans and they're good with it. They just see us as an enormous animal that's no threat to them and that sort of stays on these kind of wide trails that go around. And so they said, as long as you stay there, the animal can't tell that we are nine people in a vehicle. The animal sees us as one giant unit. They said, here's the mistake people make and people have made it before and it's a fatal mistake. When you stick your arm out the side, when you stand up and wave, when you stand up to take a picture, I said, as soon as you show yourself to be an individual on the unit, then the animals know that you're fair game. Pun intended, I suppose. You, you become prey for them. And so what happens is then you should probably pray. Okay, I'm, I'm done. No more. Okay. So, so what happens is they realize that you are uh, an individual and then you're open season. And so the one thing you can't do is ever show yourself to be um, part of nature. You have to stay part of the vehicle, which is super interesting because... It's sort of like what we're talking about today, that, that like the lion would recognize you're a human on the massive, loud, hippo vehicle thing if you make yourself known. But here's the thing. You can interact with nature. You can get up close to nature. You can actually even be touched or touch nature as Steph's uh, little leg interaction with the mane of a uh, thankfully very full lion was. You can get that close to impact nature. But you just have to be careful not to join nature itself by making yourself known as not part of the other thing. And the same thing is true with what Jude is telling us is, is we need to go out and be part of that thing out there. We need to be part of the mess. We need to get, jump into the wild. We need to be all over that. But there's a real danger. There's some sort of line that we have to be careful of between going to be in the wild and then becoming of the wild. And I think the illustration is, is especially helpful because there is a real sense that if we get... Uh, we become of the wild that it's possible that we become devoured that the world is out there not exactly excited to have us all the time i would say it this way jesus came to bring us out of the lion's den so how foolish are we to jump back in so let's read again what jude said he said dear friends by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the holy spirit keep yourselves in god's love as you wait for the mercy of the lord jesus christ to bring you to eternal life be merciful to those who doubt and save others by snatching them from the fire to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Okay, 
So we're asking the question again, how do, we, how do I make an impact for Jesus in a world without becoming part of the world? And the answer was what we just read. Jude says, build your faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. This is a great phrase. Build yourself up in the most holy phrase. Look at this at a couple different angles here. First, the word holy. Holy really just means separate, set apart. You're just separate. It's becoming secure in your separateness. That God says, when you are of him, when you are in Jesus, you are separate. You've been taken out of the world, carved out, and you become a whole separate, beautiful thing. And you need to actually lean into that. Lean into the separateness and become secure in the separateness. I would argue that Christian insecurity is a primary reason that we become of the world. Christian insecurity is the reason we become of the world. The, the reason that surveys find no distinction between the behaviors and lifestyles of Christians and non-Christians is because Christian insecurity says, I, I want to be loved by the world too. And so our insecurity drives us to want to be approved of. And so I look at the world around me and I don't want to be thought of as, as weak. I don't want to be uh, sneered at for, for my, my faith that seems irrational to outsiders. I don't want to be seen as weird by others. And yet the Bible tells us over and over, we are separate. We are holy. We live in a world that increasingly doesn't approve of us. And so, like, like think about it this way. We base our lives on the teachings, life, death, and resurrection of a Jewish dude that was born 2,000 years ago. Of course the world thinks you're weird. Like, of course the world is going to look at us and be like, that's, that's strange. Because they don't know. We used the quote a few weeks ago, he that can't hear the music thinks the dancer is mad. And so the world doesn't hear the music you hear. The world doesn't know the Savior you know. And so, of course, the world is going to go, eh, not totally sure about this. Let the world think you're weak would be my response. Let the world think that you're weak. Like, maybe that was the whole point of Jesus having to come and die on the cross for us. Because we were weak and dying in our sin, that Jesus came to give his life for us, to be the sacrifice that we needed to be back with the Father. That Jesus came to rescue us from our place of weakness. And so if the world looks at you and goes, religion, crutch of the weak, be like, yep, exactly. Totally weak. He is strong. That's where I stand. His death took the place of our death. His strength took the place of our weakness. His resurrection offers a new life for us. And so the Christian who seeks approval from the world has forgotten what Jesus came to save us from and is ignorant of the holiness that Jesus came to bring us into. Let me say it again. The Christian that seeks approval from the world has forgotten what Jesus came to save us from and is ignorant of the holiness, the separateness that Jesus came to bring us into. It's okay to be different. It's actually what God has designed for you. If you're growing in holiness, you're growing in separateness. As you grow in holiness, you grow in separateness. You look less and less like the world you came from. That's okay. That's actually a sign of progress. So Jude says, build that holy faith. Build that holy faith. Build that separateness. Lean into the growth of your differentness. So to build it means that there's a responsibility for you. It means you have to be active. You have a responsibility. You've been given the gift of faith to use it and grow it. One year, Steph and I, in, in a moment of what I would probably admit at this point is a little bit of, of naive self-righteousness, gave Kiva gift cards uh, to friends and family, which is Kiva is micro-lending sites, like third world micro-lending. And so you give $50 to a farmer in Kenya and they use it to buy seed and then they pay back that micro-loan at no interest or very low interest. And so as, as a donor to Kiva, you actually give loans to small businesses uh, in third world countries around the world that you get the money back and you loan it out again. It's this kind of beautiful um, Christ-thinking way to help the poor help themselves into better life. So we get gift cards. It was this neat thing where you would then, you give a gift card to somebody and then they get to go online and pick their cause. 
And so if they wanted to support a Nicaraguan uh, seamstress or a, a South African farmer or a Chinese uh, toy manufacturer, like whatever, whatever you want to do, you get to go pick your own idea and then you put your $100, whatever the gift card is we gave them, you put that towards them and then you get to watch their progress. They pay it back and then you get to do it all over again. We were like, this is the greatest gift ever. It's this exponential impact. People are going to love this. People didn't love this. Okay, so this is not exactly, it's, it's, you know, that whole thing when you open the present, you go, hey, you got me a gift that's for someone else. Thanks. You know, so, you know, our bad a little bit, but still, we gave the gift. And so we're like, well, the cool thing is we get to go back and check and see what they gave to you. So it was kind of fun for us too to go back later and be like, okay, what did you give the, the money to and how's that working? We get to see the impact of the money. And the, the sad part was, the, the kind of hard part of the story is we got on in, you know, maybe April after we gave the gifts in Christmas and um, out of maybe the 10 gifts we had given, one or two had been deployed and were being used. The other eight said, you know, no activity on the account. Like it was still just a gift card waiting to be used. Like the gifts we had given were just wasting away. They received the gift. The people who we gave to received the gift, but the gift wasn't intended for them. The gift was intended to be used to bless others as well. Only when it was unused, the gift and the blessing terminated on them. Like, hey, we spent money on you, and that's the end of it. It's the same thing for us. We've been given the gift of, of grace through faith. We've been given the gift, but it's not just a gift for us, although it's an incredible gift for us. It's not just a gift for us. It's also intended to be used to bless others as a gift to others. And so if we're not building that gift, if we're not employing that gift, if we're not working on that gift then it sits there wasting away, which leads to this idea that, that Jude says, be merciful to those who doubt. We look around us and we go, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to get involved with this. Jude says, be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch them from the fire, show mercy mixed with fear, which leads us back to our original question, how do I interact with a world that's not necessarily friendly to what I'm believing? Jude says, show mercy mixed with fear. Show mercy, maintain fear. You can live in close proximity with the lion, but the second you lose the fear of the lion, the respect of the lion, and the understanding of what's capable should you hop out of that vehicle to go pet the lion, you become devoured. I think that the way I would say it is that as a believer, I want to go out into the world to show mercy to a world that's desperate for it, but I never want to be so, I never want to be so comfortable in the world that I become indistinguishable from the world. I never want to be so comfortable in the world that I become indistinguishable from the world. So I want to engage the world, love the lost. I want to radically pour out my life to snatch people from the fire, but I never want to forget who I am and who I belong to. Because the, the warning that Jude is giving us is that there's this, this thing in us, that the desire that we have to see others know Jesus as we go out to make him known, we have this mission to know Jesus and make him known. The desire that I have to go out and as I know Jesus to make him known to others often turns into a desire for others to accept me. When I want them to accept Christ, often if I'm not careful, what I'm really aiming for is them to accept me. And we have to remember that we are accepted and we are approved by someone far greater than our neighbor or our coworker or our relative that thinks we're just a little off. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to the cross. You have been radically accepted and adopted into the family of God. And so you can live in the world, but not of the world. You could be merciful to those who don't know the love and acceptance of Jesus. You can show them wild, irrational love, and you can let your differentness, your separateness show. 
You can let your holiness actually become your invitation to others. And yes, they will think you're a little strange at times. And yes, they will think you're a little different at times. And yes, they'll look at you and go, hmm, not, not totally sure what you're up to. But let your humility be your witness. And then build your holy faith with your days. Let the overflow of that faith and love be a mercy for those who are far from God. Maintain proper fear, which is that wariness of going, look, I came from a really dark place, that Jesus rescued me from a place where I was actively being devoured by this world. Let me not be so careless as to dive back into that world. Instead, let me recognize that others need to be snatched out of that world. And so let me take my position as a secure son of God, a secure brother to the king, a secure adopted one in the family of the Savior. Let me take my place and leverage that, secure in that, to go and help others see that there's something else to live for, that there's another way to go through this. There's, there's more to life than that thing that is currently devouring you. I think our prayer for us as believers, whether we are... Uh, Bowling Green Covenant Church, or we are watching from anywhere on earth at this point. My prayer is that we would be people who love our neighbors as God loves us, that we would have a sacrificial love that never condemns, but also never compromises the holiness we've been called into. So the prayer is that we would use our glorious gift of grace to see our friends and neighbors and family blessed by it. May we lean into the calling that never condemns others where they are, but never compromises what we've been called into. And in doing so, we'll walk that fine line, we'll embrace that tension of loving the world without becoming of the world, of, of running into the burning building without coming out smelling like smoke. There's a way to do it in that tension of going, I will radically love but never give up on the identity I've been given in Christ. So that's where we are today, and that's where we're going to end next Sunday. We will uh, finish this series. we got another uh, great Sunday planned. It will be longer than this Sunday, and you might actually have to drive uh, next Sunday unless enough people say, we're just going to do church on Facebook from now on, in which case the elders are going to have a long meeting this week. But um, I'm really thankful that technology exists that allows us as the body to gather together, even when we can't physically gather together. Um, my prayer is that everybody who needs to be known in this community would know that Covenant is a place that you can be known. And so if you want to join us in person, we'd love to have you. We'd love to walk this journey with you, this tension in the tightrope that we're all experiencing. Um, we'd love to invite you into faith if that's something that's not on your radar yet. And you go, you know what, I feel very much like I'm being devoured. Uh, we know a community that has a lot of people with an experience of having walked out of that, being guided out of that by Jesus who came to give his life for us. And so if that's you and you're in that place and you go, look, I still feel like I'm being devoured. Um, Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the way out of that. Jesus calls us into a greater life and gave his life for us. And so when we accept Christ and what he's done for us, we accept an invitation into a whole new identity and a whole new life. And so we would invite you to that as well. Otherwise, have a great rest of your Sunday or whenever you end up watching this. We're grateful that you're part of this community. I'm grateful to be uh, your pastor and uh, one of the people that get to call ourselves part of the church. So enjoy the snow. <laughs>